can speak to me directly about it, and I just wonder. We can talk a little bit now, and you can talk to me later. Sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. because it's a big, uh, you know, addiction is obviously it's an extreme example of self-centeredness, mm-hmm. and it's and it really has one of its main moves is contempt prior to investigation. It thinks it knows, and it's not going to listen. And sometimes it just has to burn down to the nub. Like in my case, I had a lot of people who tried to help me, but from the glasses I had on, I saw them as threats, and the people that were killing me I saw as allies. That's how distorted alcoholism is for me, of a way of looking. I didn't get to that, did I, the way of looking and seeing. I'd like to go back there. So... I found, you know, it took me years to get there. I got run over by a car twice in one night, shot at, spent two years in a drug and alcohol program, and three months in another project return in the Bronx when I was younger. And jails, a lot of jails, and going in and out of, you know, and a lot of, I was intravenous user and overdosed a number of times, and it seemed like there was never going to be an end to it. It just, I was not getting it. I just could not get it. I left that place after two years, and I was loaded in a week. Just incredible, and so I had really basically accepted that destiny. I just was just trying to live like a rat, just get loaded every day, and this I knew I was going to be institutionalized or dead or in jail because that's what happens. And I had given up all hope, really. So, uh, but what occurred with me is something occurred. I had a moment of clarity. I'll tell you a little story of it. I was in a trailer with a guy I didn't know. Trailer in Calistoga, California, and we were drinking a bottle of Royal Gate vodka, really cheap vodka. We always call it, you enter the gate, the Royal Gate. <laughs> By any sense of pint. And we were drinking this stuff, and uh, I was just trying to make it till nighttime, and hopefully some guy would come with money and I could get some dope and stuff. And then I was just looking at the guy, and he had a big bulbous nose and varicose veins, and uh, I said to myself, this guy's a bum, you know? And lo and behold, I saw him looking at me like a, I was a bum. And for some reason, something happened. This is what I call really a Zen bitch slap, because something happened, and the selfing got startled, and it stopped. And I call it surrender. That's what we call it in recovery. You don't know what surrender is until it's given to you. Because I never surrendered and shot at and everything, but I never surrendered. But that moment, just a typical day in the office, I surrendered, something occurred which is the selfing stopped and something came in. You know, some juice, some grace, if you want to call it. And I, and it set off a train of circumstances which brought me to my first meeting a day later. And I've been sober and clean for almost 22 years now. So that one little, and it didn't stay open for long. I wanted to get loaded in about 15 minutes later, but I couldn't find anyone who would fall for my shit. And then a lady said, hey, do you want a place to stay tonight? And I wanted a place to stay. She said, you have to go to an AA meeting. So she's the one who took me to my first meeting. But something came in that little opening, that pause, and its effect in this place has been 22 years. That's an amazing demonstration to me. And it changed the biggest influence in my life, like overnight, which is alcoholism. Alcoholism was the tattoo of my life. It was my destiny. It, was, it had been dominating this... It had taken this over for many, many years. And suddenly it stopped and I've been clean and sober ever since. So for someone who has the addiction, it's very difficult to get it through unless they're ready. And you could do him a disservice by trying to help him. And probably he will not take help from his mother or dad. It's got to usually come from some other source. 
because you've got too many ideas about you probably and beliefs, you know. But uh, I would, uh, you know, you can do what you can. You can present him things and see what he's going to do with it, but hopefully it may be just a phase. For me it wasn't. Other people I know got off the horse way before it died, but I wrote it when it was dead for years. Mm-hmm. But I survived, I lived through it, and I, so therefore I got another story in my life. <laughs> this one. <laughs> so, and the only requirement I had was to live through it, and I did. So, I don't know what, to, I'll talk with you later. It's a tough, um, but it is just an extreme demonstration of self because it, the selfing creates such a dis-ease in the host that it wants relief. And if the conditioning in selfing is relief is alcohol and drugs, it's going to go that way. And there's different levels of addiction. See, I'm a real addict. In other words, I, uh, I will pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. And when I was in that untreated alcoholism, I was uncomfortable. Time, so I got just got loaded, and no matter if I got arrested or shot at, it didn't stop me. But some people will stop if it's a, there's a sufficient enough reason for it. Yeah? They're like heavy users, but they're not addicts. But I'm a real alcoholic and a real addict, and uh, I needed a spiritual solution. I needed a profound psychic change. That's what they say. It's the only thing that really works, and that's what the 12 steps are really about. Is about you're doing a certain amount of steps to you have a spiritual awakening, which is you'll have an experience of that pause, and hopefully there'll be a recognition you may be that instead of the selfing. Yeah? And that's what happened with me. I had a psychic change. Now I never think about it. Never think about doing drugs or drinking. Haven't for years. And it's like one of the things it says in our book is that when this shift occurs, it will, be, it will seem like you'll cease fighting everyone or anything, You'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part. So it has nothing to do with doing and having. Yeah? It's so beautiful. And the most incredible one is the problem will not exist for you anymore. And to me, that is a solution worth its name when it causes the problem not to exist anymore. And that's what's happened to me. Alcoholism and all that stuff does not exist for me anymore. It's like it never happened for me. Yeah? It's powerful, eh? So the psychic change is what I needed as a real alcoholic. Some people just need a little bit of counseling through that rough patch, and then they'll get their life together. I was my life was that direction, and it was going to go there till death, until unless I had an intervention. This is where I was. I was like a pro bum, <laughs> alcoholic drug addict. So you know, but I'll talk with you later. You know, and uh, there are young people's meetings, and AA is great. There's a lot of young people in it. And a lot of times, the worst thing when you're young is boredom. Yeah? Drinking and getting into shit with people keeps you busy. Boredom is what they're really afraid of. Yeah? And so AA has young people, and they're doing things, and it's pretty lively. You know? And it can be really helpful. Because you get... The, the AA program is about we. It's the we, not the I. It's a beautiful thing. The I is not it. All our steps say we. It's a we program. So... What I can't do alone, we can do together. So we get together in a fellowship, and it's, we support each other to entertain this practice, or whatever you want to call it. For me, it was an invitation. The practice was a part of it, but I don't practice anything anymore in AA. I don't do any of that stuff, because I'm living the freedom that it had to offer. Why would I want to... <laughs> you know, to me, the whole point is freedom. It's not just a, a way of managing something that's unmanageable. That's good when it's unmanageable, but I want to... You know, let's expand the entertaining possibility. I want freedom. 
So that's what's happened. So I'll talk to you about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, welcome. So you were going to go back to seeing Oh, yeah, because, see, I've had a very for, for, uh, long experience of seeing, of looking alcoholically to life. And, out, and that way of looking has been cataloged through a big book and thousands of meetings. We have a lot of information about the characteristics of that way of looking. That's what happens. They present it to you and you identify with that. You go, wow, that's exactly the way I've been looking at everything. And what would happen with me is I was going to meetings and I was sitting here in a meeting like this and without knowing it but feeling terminally unique, I thought, no one had my thoughts, no one had my feelings, no one had my reactions to life, tons of guilt and shame, all this. And I started listening to people share their thoughts, their feelings, and their reactions. And I noticed either only two things could be happening. Either they got somehow got my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions, or they're not mine. And that was one of the first revelations that the thoughts I'd been calling mine my whole life were alcoholic thoughts. The feelings that I thought were so terminally, uniquely different and mine, my mind, thousands of people have. Yeah? And what happens is we identify, not with who we are, but what we've been taken over by at a meeting. We've been taken over by one parasite that has a set of characteristics that, that, that expressed itself through thousands, actually millions of different hosts. And we've cataloged it now, and we've recognized the beast. That's the Freedom AA office. It's a foreign installment. It's a parasite. It's just another form of thinking, an extreme way of thinking in a self-centered manner. So that's a way of looking. AA is like a pair of glasses that corrects those distortions. So at least maybe you can enjoy a picnic without throwing a fit, you know, or... Maybe have a relationship and not be brought up on stalking charges. <laughs> you know? And it seems like a success compared to where you were. It works. So these things start correcting these old ways of looking. Yeah? But they're, and this first way of looking, this self-centered way of looking, creates a dependency on it. Yes? Because you're so dependent, you think this is the way you see. And it's not. It's a way of looking. It's all conditional. So this second pair of glasses, though, doesn't have that. Its thing is to actually, in a sense, become obsolete with the hope that you'll skip up having to get a new way of looking and actually entertain seeing, yes? which is that relaxed awareness, that conscious contact, that seeing. And so that's why I believe all forms of looking, in a way, get used by selfing as blindness to the seeing. So you get more and more involved in a new way of looking, and you're thinking you're improving your way of looking, but you're blinding yourself to the fact of seeing your natural state. But you're not actually doing anything. Exactly. There's no one doing anything of that. That's just what's happening. And also, if something intervenes, that's also what happens. Yeah. And something changes everything, that's also what happens. You never get written to the story. It has, selfing has absolutely no relevance. That's, the, that's its death cry. It wants to be relevant at all costs. Selfing. It wants to seem like it has a reality. And it's, it's, it's like someone said, it's actually hijacking the life that you are representing and claiming it to be its own. And therefore it uses you to express itself through your apparatus. That's what it does. It's like a... That's how I see it. And there's freedom from it, just like there's freedom from self-centeredness. If you go to the core of the whole system itself, yes? If you
you realize you're not that, you don't have to deal with the, the periphery of it, because those are just the effects from the core, which is your identification itself. You tell the truth about that, you get relief. It's like finding the first knot. A, a thread from that first knot goes through all the other knots. When that loosens, all the other knots loosen. That's why you know you've hit the money. It reveals its truth by how you travel with it. Yeah. It's, it's indisputable after a while. You just know. I mean, there's no like, I don't need an outside authority. I don't need 800 pages of scriptures. I don't need a freaking teacher telling me, oh, yes, I'm giving you some another name or something. Yeah, it'd be fun. But I don't need anybody proclaiming one thing or the other. I have my own gut, I know. Yeah. Awareness is very obvious. So, there you have it. <laughs> Any more questions? Any questions on baking or anything? Baking? Cooking? <laughs> I'm going to field all questions today, and that'll be it. No more tomorrow. But anything. Sports? How the Yankees doing there? <laughs> I gotta hug this woman. I just have to hug. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I gotta get something from this. <laughs> so, uh, we having another one tomorrow. Yeah, we can explore. It's fun. If you want to come back, I'd love to see everybody. Yeah? I'm off the hook now. Yeah, we can go have something. Pee or something. Go to Toronto nightlife. Be frigid, you know. Again, I don't know how anyone can have a nightlife in below zero, you know. Your face will be frozen. Hmm? It's all indoors. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, I'm going to get up anyway. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here.
Yeah, things I use, like you said, that's why Rupert is so great. Oh, I thought I was different.